This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Ariane Dowdell, Vice President and Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer at Houston Methodist. Ariane, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thanks so much for having me today. I appreciate it. Now, I know we've got a lot to talk about and I'm excited for our conversation, but before we dive into my questions here, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Absolutely. Um, So I've actually been here at Houston Methodist for three years. I've been in my role uh, for going on actually just over two years, but my background isn't your typical healthcare background that you hear that some people have had. I actually started out in television, uh, spent some time actually practicing law and working in higher education before I made the transition to healthcare. And so it's been a fun journey to get to where I am today, but definitely not what most people would say is the normal. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. So I can imagine, you know, working in all those different spaces that you um, learned a lot uh, about, uh, you know, the world and and leadership in those those roles. So is there any, I guess, um, expertise that you've brought from your previous roles in TV and in practicing law and higher education into um, your space at Houston Methodist? I think so. You know, everything that I've done has really been people-centric focus throughout my life. Uh, When I started in television, I wanted to be able to tell stories of people and what was going on around the world. And then, you know, when I transitioned into law, it was making sure that I was representing people. I worked as a defense attorney. And so I always had a passion for that justice piece and telling stories and watching people grow, which I did while I was in higher education as well. And so I think, you know, as I stepped into this role and having previous experience in supplier diversity many years ago, taking those experiences and learning what people need to really help become their best self and how to grow, I was able to bring here to Houston Methodist and utilize in this position. I don't think I realized it along the way as I went through things, but it's definitely come full circle. You know, my passion for really elevating people in the jobs that they do and living their best life. So it's been, as I said, a fun journey that has had twists and turns, but really in some ways has had some commonalities throughout the throughout my journey. Absolutely. That's amazing to hear and and really, you know, great that you've had the opportunity to work in so many different spaces, be advocates for people, but then also as you mentioned, elevating people. I love that term. Um, so in thinking about where you're at today, what is your key focus for the second half of 2022? Well, we just, we established two years ago when the department was formed, we had five goals that we really focused on uh, for these first couple years as a DEI department, which Houston Methodist actually never had. And so as we go into this last half of the year and think about, you know, what is it that we still really want to accomplish? We still have some lofty goals. Uh, we have ERGs that we've put into place. And so we know that we're going to have some additional growth with our employee resource groups. And so we look forward to engaging them in more community-based activities and really focusing on the needs of our voluntary employee resource groups that are here at Houston Methodist. Um, But then in addition to that, we're also looking at our health equity committee and the work that they're doing and really pushing that uh, forward towards the end of the year. We have databases and dashboards that we're building through that committee to really look at um, our patients and their outcomes. And so I'm very excited about that. And then one of the other big things that we're launching throughout the system, and these are just a couple of the things that we're doing, is we're actually starting 
starting in October, which we'll do throughout the entire uh, health system, talking about anti-racism and anti-bias, not in a um, not in a training format, you know, but allowing people to have conversations to better understand each other, to help us work better together, to understand the backgrounds in which we've come from, with the hope that our employees can engage together on a different level, but also to be able to um, understand our patients and what they bring with them based on their experiences when they come into our hospital. So those are just a couple of the initiatives we have to get through the rest of the year. It's been a busy year so far, but I look forward to what's to come. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. It's, you know, definitely, as you mentioned, lofty goals and a lot to be done, but it will be exciting, I'm sure, to see the final product and how, you know, all of that can really make an impact on the organization. Now, when you think about all of these things, um, putting together different resource groups and making sure that health equity, inclusion, and, and patient outcomes are really front of mind, what types of roadblocks are you anticipating over the next few years or so as you're really uh, focused on um, putting a lot of these programs in place? I think one of the biggest focuses in um that we have to think about and roadblocks that we may face is not everybody is on the same page when we say diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so we have to make sure as a team, as leaders throughout the system, and as we work together, that we're always willing to meet each other where we are at that point in time. Um, Some people still don't understand the how, you know, how does it pertain to me, the work that you're doing, and the why, why are we investing so much time and resources into this? And so in some ways, that's a roadblock in the sense that we have to constantly go back to that so that people understand that personal aspect and connection um, of why the work that we're all doing, no matter where you work within this institution, why the bigger goal, you know, exists. Um, And so for us, that's going to be one of the key roadblocks. And when I say roadblock, that's not in a negative way, um, but just something that we have to make sure that we're ready to continuously prepare um, to have conversations about, which is really meeting people where they are. Um, Also, as I mentioned, when we first started talking, it's nice that we're, you know, in a quiet phase of the pandemic. And so I'm hopeful that we'll be able to stay in this phase where we'll be able to have those in-person conversations uh, because they do make a difference for us. And so engaging people on the level that we really want to engage is going to be important for us. And also just making sure that we're able to get data, right? Because data provides so much information to us. So making sure we're capturing as much data as we can to continuously tell our stories. Um, both internally and externally about the work that we're doing and about what needs to be done, right? Because the work is never going to be done overnight. It's truly a journey. Um, So making sure that we address that as well as we go along the way. Absolutely. I think that's a really great point and so important to remember. I can imagine it can be frustrating sometimes to have to go back to um, some of the same themes and messages and really trying to figure out how to, as you put it, meeting people, meet people where they are and really uh, deliver the message in a meaningful, impactful way um, for, for individuals and different types of people across the organization. Um, I'm wondering, you mentioned too, at the end there, data and, and really looking at data and using that to help tell your story and measure progress, I'm sure as well. What types of data are you really looking at most closely? What's been most meaningful for you? 
Well, there's a couple of things. Last year, we actually put together a DEI dashboard. It was one of the first things as a department I thought we needed to make sure that we uh, had in place. And so the current dashboard that we have looks at um, our employees. So we can look at things across our all of our hospitals here at Houston Methodist. To understand the makeup of our departments here, we can look at retention. Uh, we can find out ways, you know, why people are staying, why people may not be leaving. We could look at growth within the organization because that really is, you know, when we think about what is the return on investment for having our department here, that's a way to show our effectiveness, right? Are we creating a culture of belonging where we're seeing retention continue throughout the organization? Um, are people moving up, right? So we use that as one of our key tools. We use that dashboard, but we also can look at it from a clinical side to look at our patients, to see the patients that are coming in, right, by our race, age, gender, um, insurance. So we can use that as well to see who are we treating? What is our patient population? How is that changing? So when we think about health equity um, and the work that our health equity committee is doing, they're creating a dashboard as well um, to take a look at uh, different rates for colorectal screenings to see how effective we are at placing orders and how many people are following through with orders. So we really want to make sure that we're using dashboards to tell those stories, as I had mentioned, um, to provide those effective stories for how we can do better because our goal is to continuously improve and really continuously show what is the return on investment for these efforts that we're making when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion and access, right, to the work that our physicians do on a daily basis here at our hospitals. Got it. That's a really great point. And, um, you know, just so helpful to know and see how you're using that information to paint a picture um, in your messages. So um, that, that's really helpful to know. And the other thing, too, I wanted to ask you about, you mentioned um, talking about anti-racism and biased and really understanding how that works in healthcare. And I'm sure what um, you need to do in order to ideally be able to move past that, especially when delivering patient care. So um, what does that mean to you when you're talking about anti-racism? How do you approach those conversations, especially with people who, you know, may or may not really um, understand uh, the concepts and know, think that it's important for them to consider on a regular basis? Yeah, so, you know, the way that we're doing these, again, we don't call this particular, um, our anti-racism and anti-bias uh, training. We don't want to do that. We want these to be conversations. So we're actually calling it Let's Talk. And we're starting with questions to really create that safe space for our employees to be able to just know they are in a room where they don't have to give their name, they don't have to give their position, right, or how long they've been here. You're just coming in as yourself. And we talk about ways, you know, when did you feel different? Was there a time in your life where maybe you noticed there was a difference about you? How do you handle X, Y, or Z situations? So that first people can identify what racism and what bias is, because racism we know is dealing with race, but there's so many different biases that we all carry, right? So how does that manifest itself in different ways? And learning to just have those conversations so that when we're in a room with a patient and we see them, we don't make assumptions, right? Maybe based on biases that we have 
and we try to take that time to understand them better or our colleagues. Um, so we're trying to make sure we create that safe space, but we ask those questions that really create that aha moment uh, for people so that when they leave, right, they're, they become a better employee here at Houston Methodist and then ultimately become a better person when they leave work every day and it will trickle out into society. So we've spent a lot of time putting together this program that's going to launch in October and have been taking some groups through it to get feedback to make sure it really, you know, it's not supposed to be a comfortable conversation. That's not the goal. It's to really make you think um, and to make you act differently. So that's what the goal of the program is. Got it. Absolutely. That sounds like a fantastic program and something that would be really valuable, um, you know, within any industry organization or community. So I, I love that idea. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, before we wrap up our conversation, I just have one more question for you. What are you most excited about right now? You know, I wake up every day and I tell people um, it's not my expectation that everyone is um, as excited about diversity, equity, and inclusion as I am, but I truly get excited every day I get to come here uh, to work. I'm excited about the fact that there are so many people, when you think about our 28,000 employees, that are truly committed to the work that we're doing, and we've launched so many things I haven't even had a chance to discuss, like our mentoring program um, that is being launched here at Houston Methodist, not through our office, but seeing that growth of our employees and being able to hear about those successes, I'm excited about, but also hearing our patients say that they're noticing the differences, right, um, that we're making. And as a parent of a child that um, has a disability, I see a future coming along where she'll be able, if she chooses to be in healthcare, to know that there are places that are willing to hire her and a focus in different ways that maybe we weren't cognizant of 10 years ago. So for me, all this work we're doing has, you know, a personal side to it as well, because I see that care changing for people and I see that access to opportunity changing. And I love that I get to be a part of it every day. It really does mean a lot to me. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Arian, for being on the podcast today. This has been a really fun and interesting discussion and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. I really do appreciate it.